Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Wednesday evening, reflecting into the richness of our faith. And as we do on Wednesdays, we look at the life and thought of Pope Francis. And I do this with my weekly guest, uh, Bob Cross. Bob, it is great to have you with me another, another Wednesday night. Great to be here, Joe. Thank you. So, Bob, the life and thought of of Pope Francis, what does this mean? Well, we look at where he's in the news, maybe some things he's saying, or maybe um, how those things are being interpreted or misinterpreted, and then we get into uh, the joy of the gospel, this wonderful exhortation that he offers for us, and, and an exhortation where he really challenges us. And th- this exhortation, and I know I've said it before, not to be redundant week after week, but if you really want to get to know the man, you have to read this document, because as we're going to talk about tonight, I mean, every week it seems like we're going to be talking about something that the news media or, or something that's been written about uh, an audience <clears throat> or a, an address to a group or an organization where Pope Francis, um, it's almost like you're reading from this document, this yeah. exhortation, because he's so consistent with his thoughts and 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 his ongoing pastorship. Yeah, I mean, he is uh, the, the Holy Father is uh, is I mean, he is just right on target every single week. It seems like with different passages, and it ties in perfectly with where we're at this week in the document. Yeah, and the paragraphs we're going to be you know talking about. There's a wonderful continuity, uh, a, a kind of coordination between his life and what he says from day to day and what this exhortation is about, because it's an exhortation, Bob, on the new evangelization. It's an exhortation. It is a document on what it means to witness to our faith. So what is he doing? Well, he's witnessing to his faith and his, and his, his thought, you know, and so certainly, yeah, there should be this kind of seamlessness that arises when you look at his words from one day to the next, and then, you know, what you see in this written document. And and I'm sure you're going to be getting a a great deal of this as he begins to write more. But, you know, what is an example of that? Well, this past Monday, in speaking at uh, Mass at Casa Santa Maria and reflecting on the Gospel, he talks about uh, vanity, power, and, and money. And it's really interesting what he says, and ultimately, Bob, how this opens us up to what he talks about in the the exhortation. You know, he says with regards to vanity, this is not the right attitude. Vanity is not good. Vanity causes us to slip on our pride, and everything ends there. So I ask myself the question, and me, how do I follow Jesus when I do good? Do I do it under the public eye, or do I do it in private? You know, when you look at that word, um, as maybe a footnote here, Bob, the word vanity, the Latin uh, root of vanus, uh, it means emptiness, or, or 
uh, a waste of time. It literally means a waste of time. And I, it's always struck me that this word that we've always associated to what we look like, maybe, you know, we spend extra time looking in front of the mirror. Oh, how great we look with this on or that on. And really, while it might be an obsession with the material good, it's really so much more than that. It's, it's so much deeper than that. It's about how in that time we spend with the material good is a waste of time. All those extra minutes before the mirror, all those extra hours at the shopping mall, waste of time. <laughs> you know, that is what the author is saying in the Old Testament. That we, Woe to you, vanity. Woe to you, vanity. He's looking back and he's saying, gosh, I wasted my life on that. <laughs> you know, that's the essence of what vanity is about. And so our Holy Father says, enough is enough here. Let's not concern ourselves with, with what passes. Let's stop moonlighting about what money can buy. I love the one line from a local priest. He says, you know, I've never known a, a U-Haul truck to follow a hearse. <laughs> we spend so much time uh, thinking about materialistic goods and so on and so forth that we just we, we forget that time is a gift. Time is, is something to be treasured. And this is what lies at the heart of what Pope Francis is talking about. So then he talks about our thirst for power. And he says, some of those who follow Jesus do so in search of power. I thought this is a very important point here, Bob. Perhaps they do not do so with full consciousness. A clear example of this is to be found in John and James, the sons of Zebedee who asked Jesus to seat them in places of honor, one on his right and one on his left in his kingdom. And in the church, there are climbers, he calls them. I love that phrase. There are climbers in the church. People driven by ambition. There are many of them. But if you like climbing, go to the mountains and climb them. It is healthier. <laughs> you know? I mean, this is, that's a great line. If you, if you like climbing, go climb mountains. <laughs> Do not come to church to climb. Isn't this a wonderful image? And it is in a playful image. And Jesus, he says, scolds people with this kind of ambitious attitude in the church. So, He's being playful, but at the same time, he's chasing us. Bob, if you want to climb, go climb a mountain. Yeah. It's healthier. Yeah. You know, the, you know Pope, is, like you said, he's, the Holy Father has, you know, a, a, a very, very, you know, um, wonderful sense of humor in terms of the way that he, he'll bring something in like that. And um, it's, like you said, it's playful. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. And then in light of that, of course, his last piece and his last message for us from this past Monday uh, was, of course, money. Uh, those who follow Jesus for money, trying to take economic advantage of the parish, of the diocese, or of their Christian community, of the hospital or the college, let us think of the first Christian community that was swayed by this intention, Simon Ananias and the rest, this has been a temptation right from the beginning. And since we have heard, he says, of so many good Catholics, good Christians, friends and benefactors of the church that it has been revealed, acted for personal profit. They presented themselves as benefactors of the church and made money on the side. Now, certainly here, he's talking about some of the, some of the, the folks who were laundering money from Vatican Bank and collectively 
he's well aware of both inside the church and, and outside the church as well, that uh, people take advantage of the church. And he's certainly calling them out. But he's doing so within the context of the gospel. And what's so striking about this, Bob, this reflection of thirst for money, for power, and how it's rooted in this vanity, this, this, this overemphasis on materialism and consumer, consumerism, this takes me back to an address he gave to a group of seminarians uh, about a month ago. And he spoke the same language. He says this to them, Dear seminarians, what you are preparing for is not a profession. You are not training to work in a business or bureaucratic organizations. We have so many priests who have gone halfway. It's sad that they did not manage to go the whole way. This is our Holy Father talking here, Bob. I mean, this is provocative stuff. They have something of the employee in them. Mm, isn't that interesting? Remember what we've talked about, Bob. John Paul II, St. John Paul II used to talk about how we need to get rid of the, the corporate mentality if we're going to evangelize, because there is no corporate mentality in the new evangelization. This is what Pope Francis is talking about. Have we not been speaking and have we not been talking about the continuity that exists with Pope Francis and the previous popes? Well, here you go. This is a prime example. So he goes on to say, please be careful you don't fall into this. You are becoming pastors in the image of Jesus, the good pastor. Your aim is to resemble him and act on behalf of him amidst his flock, letting his sheep graze. If you are something of the bureaucrat, this is not good for the church. It would appear, Bob, that our Holy Father here is in the same mindset that he was this past Monday. Telling these seminarians, if you are in this for the business of climbing, go find a mountain. He says, if you are not willing to follow this path of gospel formation, the Eucharist, prayer, you're not willing to change your attitudes and root yourself in this kind of life and this kind of prayer, then I say to you from the heart, and he's talking to seminarians, without offending anyone, it is better to have the courage to seek another and leave. Wow. Wow, those are some strong words, Bob. <laughs> some strong words. Mark, our current Holy Father, who everyone loves, you know, I, it's yeah. striking. And I think that, you know, his appeal from the very, very beginning, and as we started out, you know, this program by, by talking about that continuity, is that, um, you know, he was the first one that used himself as an example to the rest of the world. So this exhortation, this document, Evangelii Gaudium, that we're talking about, we keep discussing, and the continuity of the way that he follows up with that, it's very consistent in his, in his message. All started with himself, you know, his, his, you know, his pontificate. I mean, the, the administration of the church, um, you know, the, the way that the, the very structure of, of the church is, is organized. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you would think that, okay, this is an exhortation that's for all of us, which it is, but he doesn't just preach to everyone. He's, he's talking to the insiders. He's talking mm -hmm. to the clergy. He's, he's oh, using yeah. himself and his oh, fellow, yeah. 
his brother cardinals and bishops yeah. as examples of we have to live a certain way. We have to live and represent the gospel. We have yeah. to. We have. He's telling the seminaries. They seminarians. They need to to imitate Christ. You know, they need to look like Jesus and live like Jesus, so that we all can. And there's a much stronger message when you're speaking about yourself and about those who are with you, rather than speaking to everyone else. I just love that about him, and I think everybody else does too. Yeah. Yeah, and as you talk about that uh, imitatio, as it is called, I can't help but think of, uh, what was it, a few days before Good Friday, where he was uh, speaking at a penance service, and what did he do? Before he went to go hear confessions, he went to, uh, went to confession himself. And uh, as we're talking about this, what did he say to the seminarians? It is vital to always go to confession so you can become generous and merciful ministers because you will feel God's mercy upon you, encouraging you to become generous and merciful ministers. He goes on to say, it means being men of prayer so as to become the voice of Christ that praises the Father and constantly intercedes for the brothers. He goes on, if you are not willing to follow this path with these attitudes and these experiences, and I say this from the heart, it is necessary for you to seek another vocation. And on that note, as he's talking about the sacrament of confession, we turn to paragraph 44. Bob, this now is from the joy of the gospel. Paragraph 44. I want to remind priests that the confessional must not be a torture chamber but rather an encounter with the Lord's mercy, which spurs us on to do our best. A small step in the midst of great human limitations can be more pleasing to God than a life which appears outwardly in order, but moves through the day without confronting great difficulties. Everyone needs to be touched by the comfort and attraction of God's saving love which is mysteriously at work in each person above and beyond their faults and failings. I believe this to be a very, very important paragraph, Bob, for I hope self-explanatory reasons. Every single time we go to the sacrament of confession, we go with our worst. We go with our brokenness. We go into that confessional with a great deal of guilt, a great deal of emptiness, a great deal of shame. But what we can find comfort in is that when we go to the confessional with our worst, our Lord comes to us with his best, and that's his mercy. And as sinners, we need to, as he put it, feel that mercy, experience that mercy, encounter that mercy. Again, the single most important word to the work and mission of the new evangelization is encounter. And so it is right that he says, we as sinners must encounter, encounter that profound gift of mercy and reconciliation. And what is he saying to his his brother priests, <laughs> bishops and cardinals, hey, hey, we need to first 
be men who understand this mercy coming out from a life of prayer so we can then hand it on. It brings back a point we talked about a few months ago, Bob. Truth should never be used as a club to strike over the head, but it should always be presented as a flower, something attractive, something inviting, something that draws us in, and that's mercy. And, you know, it's, it's as he says, the encounter is being touched by God's, you know, saving love and the comfort and the attraction of that comfort and love. And in the last, you know, sentence of that, that paragraph, which is, that's what the experience is all about. We're experiencing and we're encountering that comfort and love that comes from Christ's great mercy. And that's what the experience is supposed to be. And, you know, it's, it's incredible that, that uh, Pope Francis <clears throat> is, again, he's laying down, <laughs> not the gauntlet, but he's laying down the foundation of the way that all of us, including himself and the rest of the clergy, approaches that, that encounter with Christ firsthand so that we can go forth with the new evangelization and, and our ability to be able to share that love with everyone we, we encounter. Yeah, make no mistake about it, Bob. When you talk about the new evangelization and you, you tie it to, to John Paul II, St. John Paul II, it's no wonder that he is going to be known for mercy because mercy opens the heart up. It is the first evangelizer because it draws us in to that chief attribute of God. As St. John Paul II once said, love's second name. Then when you have that, when you have that encounter, it's really what it's about. And this is why, you know, in the subsequent paragraph, he says, a missionary heart is aware of our limits and makes itself weak with the weak. Everything for everyone, quoting uh, Paul's first letter to Corinth, chapter 9, verse 22. I love that. Weak with the weak, everything for everyone. It never closes itself off, never retreats into its own security, never opts for rigidity and defensiveness. It realizes that it has to grow in its understanding of the gospel and in discerning the paths of the Spirit. And so it is always, and so it always does what good it can, even if in the process its shoes get soiled by the mud of the street. So it's this abandonment, Bob, this missionary heart. It's one that does not measure itself by what it sees. Well, I can't do this because then I have to do that. Or I can't do that because then I'm going to have to do this. I, well, I, I have to make this sacrifice. It doesn't, the missionary heart doesn't think like that. It sees the suffering. It sees those who are without Christ and it just runs to them. It doesn't get bottled up by this corporate mentality. It does not get bottled up by all of this administration. No, it sees truth for what it is and it runs to it. And truth is the person of Jesus Christ and those who are most in need. Sure. And weak with the weak. I mean, <clears throat> didn't we start out talking <laughs> in, 
in the beginning of this program about you know him, him discussing vanity, power, yeah. money. Yeah. And you can't have those things if you need if if you're called to be weak with the weak. How can you re- really relate to anyone and express and show mercy? And it's God has called us to be that way. How can we really um, describe it without living it and being, you know, being of, of, of a nature mm-hmm. where we can actually represent what, what, what Christ is asking us to be? Yeah. Yeah, you know, St. John Paul II is also known for uh, solidarity, of course, uh, this was so important to, we talked about a few weeks ago and the fall of the Berlin Wall and the downfall of communism. That was so important to the Polish people. It is being united with, with every person that you come into contact with. Uh, what John, St. John Paul II called civic friendship. If, if you see a brother or sister in Christ who is in need, you must be in solidarity with them. And that civic friendship is realized only in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There isn't anyone who in your path should be on the margins because then that suggests you have boundary lines set up. So the vision of St. John Paul II is once again one that is congruent with uh, Pope Francis. Don't set up boundary lines. You know, and this is one of his most popular phrases from this whole document. <laughs> uh, even if in the process, it shoes get soiled by the mud of the street. You know, again, another phrase that he's very familiar with. Let us remember, this is the bishop of the slums. His shoes got soiled by the mud of the street and then some. Okay, so he's really calling us into a missionary heart that... Uh, it's challenging. I mean, let's make no mistake about it. It's challenging. And the only way we're going to achieve this is if we are weak with the weak. If we allow ourselves to become vulnerable, Bob, it's a very hard thing, especially maybe for men. <laughs> you know, to be vulnerable is not a characteristic of a man. You know, yeah, we think of characteristics, you know, to be chivalrous, to be a man's man. You know, those aren't bad things, they're good things. But to be vulnerable in Christ, this is the best thing. And this is what it's about, to embrace this, this path. You know, don't be defensive. Another key point he makes, let us not be so self-absorbed, so concerned with what people are saying about us. Let us just focus in on Christ. And whatever people say, they will say. But if we're doing the will of God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, how many minutes and hours do we spend, Bob, thinking and worried about what people think about us? I mean, how many hours do we, we talked about empty time earlier. Oh my gosh. How many hours do we busy ourselves gossiping about other people? What a waste of time. You know, let us not be defensive. Let us not concern ourselves with the things that we cannot control. Focus in on Christ. Let that be enough for your day, and let there be nothing else that gets in your way, lest we waste time. Well, and we've, um, we've sure got a, a lot to take from that in, in relationship to the way that we approach social media these days. And let's face yeah, it, that's, yeah. there's vanity at its, at its pinnacle. Yeah. I mean, it's all about 
<clears throat> what I'm doing at every one single minute of the day and concerning myself with myself yeah. so that everyone else can be concerned with me too. Yeah. So it, it, it's just rampant in yeah. our society. And that's why, you know, it goes right there with power and money. I mean, they're all stepping stones to the path of being everything that we're not supposed to be, everything that we're not called to be. Yeah, I mean, the, even the, his, this phrase, never retreat into your own security. Yeah. You n- never um, fall back and be comfortable with just sitting before your computer for three hours uh, following Facebook, you know, seeing how many likes you get because of the, the dinner that you posted. Now, what is that? I mean, what is, we have to, we have to uh, return to our sense of the sacred and see, once again, Bob, time as a gift. We could not reinforce that point enough. Because if we are going to go forth as a church, as a missionary church, then we need to do exactly that. We need to go forth. Now, certainly as we talk about social media, that can be a great domain for evangelization. And my wife has Facebook and I'll occasionally go on there, and I, I've noticed people who really do use that venue for the new evangelization, and you ought to. But we can't get caught up in in how that can become a very self-absorbing thing, because love is constantly looking outward. It's constantly seeing how it can alleviate the, the, the tension within man, always seeking the best for the other. Uh, this is what love is about. And so we have to strive uh, towards that if we're going to become the missionary church that Pope Francis uh, calls us to become. So as we talk about this, Bob, I, I think that is a wrap for our discussion tonight. Uh, we will pick up next week on this role of Holy Mother Church and uh, engaging the world with an open heart and what Pope Francis means by that when he uses that phrase, because I think that's another phrase that's been misinterpreted, that Holy Mother Church is called is called to engage the world with an open heart. I don't know if you had any closing thoughts. You know, it's a, it's a great message that the, the Holy Father is asking of us, and that's just kind of a self-check, self-inventory. You know, um, it's so easy to allow our vanity to get the better of us. It really is. Yeah, and then, then what that means is relates to power and, and, and money and this self-absorption. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way of putting it, Bob, this self-inventory. And we do that by taking a look in the mirror to, to examining ourselves. You know, we have to put the, the whiteness, the purity of Jesus Christ behind us, take a look in the mirror. And then, yeah, when we do that, we will see the stain of our sin because... Christ's purity, his whiteness, if you will, is absolute. And you will see your sin. You will see your stain. And so this is, this is the um, self-examination that we are called to have. All right, let us close in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. 
You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at J-H-O-L-L-J-M-J at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.